Hi, everyone. Before we get started on today's episode, we'd just like to hear a quick word from our sponsor. Hair by Escandalo and The Other Side are sister businesses that work together to provide everything from awesome haircuts and colors to waxing services, facials, makeup, lash extensions, and nails. The salon offers a wide array of talented specialty stylists and offers virtual consultations before your color appointments to ensure you get what you're expecting. The Other Side is a boutique spa and clothing store featuring jewelry from different artists all over the country and curated upcycled fashion. None of their services or clothing are gendered, so everyone can feel safe and included from start to finish. Want an appointment? Visit their website, escandalohair.com, or on Instagram at escandalohair for the online booking link. 10% off your services if you mention But What Do We Know podcasts. Thank you so much to Escandalo, and let's get on with today's episode. everybody welcome to but what do we know podcast episode 141 and i am joined tonight with our special guest co-host katie halata hello everyone (gasps) katie how are you i am well uh why don't you tell us about yourself um okay so i'm like a listener for two years can you move just a little closer to the microphone or move it closer to you yes all right um i've been a listener for like two years since 2020 so i already feel like i'm your friend Uh, we are friends (laughs) um i know your soon-to-be husband like kind of from school yeah more my husband knows your husband perfect i've been married for almost a year um i like murders and mysteries and plants and animals yay that's amazing so you've been listening for two years i think like during the pandemic because i work in healthcare, so i worked this whole entire time and i was looking for things to like occupy my time with because i'm not really a tv watcher because i'm always moving yes so um i was like oh on facebook posted you know what like podcasts are good to listen to and cliff commented and was like listen to but what do you know yeah oh oh actually interesting story when i was like listening to all of the episodes like rewinding when i was trying to get a listen for every single one yeah i was driving to work and it was during the annabelle episode oh god and uh, a fucking deer jumped out what and, the like um yeah hit like my i was in my truck and not my car so it took it a lot better but um yeah i like needed a new radiator and like a new front bumper and all sorts of stuff it really during the annabelle episode yes the annual annabelle episode and i know that's like a touchy one for a lot of people that like when you listen to it weird things Ooh, i don't like that at all yeah i thought that would be interesting to bring up but that's fucking horrifying actually (laughs) It was not a good experience. But you're okay. Yeah, right? yeah, I was okay. Like I said, I was in my truck. My car has like a really big windshield, so if I was in my car, I feel like it would have like 
flipped up and like maybe in my windshield or something because it's got like a pointed front nose my car Ugh. it's a honda fit so there it's like very like long and pointy in the front Ooh, that's scary yeah did i do that or did anna do that um i feel I, like i did that i don't remember but i remember i was listening to it and i've listened to like other podcasts about the subject yes. where listeners would say i was listening to this and you know something moved or i heard static or this something like the sort oh i don't like that creepy so far and i'm like gonna i'm not trying to jinx myself the only thing that ever happened was when we did the Black Eyed Children episode. And this wasn't even like, oh no, no, it was the Annabelle episode. Actually, we're doing the Annabelle episode and the our recording just kept stopping. And we're like, God, fucking damn it. And it would just, the internet would go off and on. And Cliff's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what's wrong with the internet? I'm like, we're talking about a haunted doll. It's like, just no big, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> she curses everything. Yeah. I mean, I'll do I'll do respect to Annabelle. But Yeah, please don't let me. the internet cut out. Please don't. Please don't. Jesus Christ, I can't handle that. I'll cry. <laughs> um, so what's new with you? Um, I like I'm coming off of working 12-hour shifts and doing like a normal 9 to five almost similar to those hours like monday through friday so that's nice i feel normal so what do you do um i work in the hospital i'm not gonna say which one um but i work as like a tech on the floor and now i'm like in a new unit a new facility that's opened around like the operating room so i'm like pre and post surgery like i will take care of you basically oh I've never had surgery before, but I hope if I do that, you're the one that's taking care of me after. I have uh, coincidentally seen some names that I know, and, you know, because I'm really? in a mask and I have to wear goggles sometimes. I, uh, you know, no one recognizes me, or at least hopefully nobody does, because I try and be nonchalant. Oh, it's hard, though. Um, oh, Andy's very comfortable. He is. He's being so cute right he's now. He's like, he's something very, very, I like my new friend. Um, there's a story that I was going to tell you about, but I don't remember. I'll remember it later. I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's very funny because like, I also feel like I know you already and it's weird because it seems like stuff like that doesn't happen anymore. You know what I mean? Like internet friends. Mm -hmm. Like true internet friends. I was talking to you and Cliff was like, wait a second. Is that Katie Halata? And he definitely didn't say your name like that, though. And I was like, yeah, how do you know? And he's like, Marissa, she lives in Lehighton. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, she lives in Lehighton. That's, I know her husband. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, I thought she lived in California or something like that. Like, I think everybody lives in California and is like, and so I, I was like, well, they have to come over. And then, dude, the whole running a podcast thing by yourself is very hard i can tell you've been having some struggles especially with the managing media it's been hard it's um i've gotten better at it for sure but it's a struggle well that and planning a wedding is a lot oh yeah doing definitely. both of those things together um but you're actually our last 
you're our last guest before Anna comes back. Ooh, the last guest. It went really fast, actually. Yeah, it seems like it did. So, uh, did you cry this week? So tell me why, 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 why do you cry? Tell me why, why, why do you cry? exactly when it was probably within this last week but um yeah so was real emotional you know because what two fridays ago roe versus wade got oh yeah so pretty sensitive to that yep um you know it was like really really just in a bad mood for like a whole entire week uh, and then I finally was like, that's not helping anything. No. Kind of came back to it a little more. But I also, uh, do you watch Stranger Things? I do not. Okay, well, I'm I've not going to spoil anything. But yeah, the last, um, this is like the second to last season. And they yeah. broke it up with the last two episodes being like almost as long as movies, basically. But yeah, this, this season was a, a big, like... Rough one. Yep. Got me a couple times. My eyes, you know. They were tearing up. Tearing up a bit. I. It's funny because the episode that I have coming out tomorrow, um, we talked about Roe versus Wade because it was like right after. And we talk about it for like 40 minutes. And I'm like, fuck, should I like cut some out? And then I was writing the notes. And I'm like, you know what? If you don't want to listen to it, then skip ahead and ask somebody who's a child who a childbearing person their opinion and mm-hmm. then listen to them and if you don't want to listen to us and i was just like i don't even care you know what we're allowed to talk about that kind of stuff like we put the skip marks ahead if you don't like it don't listen but mm-hmm. it was a shitty thing a shitty it's still shitty but like yeah very shitty we're a little more safe here in pennsylvania oh, but God. like even like i said like with this new position i'm in I work, like, around the operating room, and it wasn't, you know, like, maybe, like, two weeks ago, like, r- literally right around this time where there was a, n- not older, but, you know, like, 40, that's not exactly the age you want to be bearing kids, but, no. you know, she, like, had already miscarried and, Ugh. you know, couldn't, her body couldn't take it, so yeah. they had to, like, surgically remove i don't want to get too graphic or yeah anything, but i but mean like, that is life that's it how that happens. works like everyone deserves the right to be able to access that health care that is literally going to keep you alive yeah like women are going to, to die, die unfortunately and this is the world we're in i know and it seems almost insane that we're talking about it like i truly i know that a lot of people were like warning us about it that it was going to happen but i didn't believe it yeah like you think it, you, we learned about this in school and, and everything how yeah. much of a big step this was and yeah you do not think in your lifetime it's gonna be taken away and like just so randomly on like a friday afternoon mm-hmm. i was just sitting at work and my manager was like oh my god roe versus way got overturned i'm like no, you must have read that wrong i'm like that didn't happen and she's like uh no that happened and every somebody came in and they're like did you guys hear what happened i'm like no yeah scary i was literally like 
I went to a, a restaurant for brunch with one of my girlfriends, and we were eating gourmet grilled cheese <sighs> and like scrolling phones, you know, and be, we yep. were like, oh my God, do you see this article that Roe versus Wade got overturned? Like, the world is, feels unreal. Right. It feels scary and weird, and I don't like it. Mm-mm, me neither. And I don't know what to do even about it no i mean like i was really really angry and i was like let's go to a protest yes and i still will do that when i find one near us but yeah it's like what do you do like it's frustrating yeah and it's i don't know i didn't know i haven't heard of any protests like around here no i haven't either i mean like if you want to drive to philly but right but that's that's a whole nother a whole nother thing mm -hmm. altogether i know Jim, there was a small one in Jim Thorpe, I think yesterday, but it was small, mm, yeah. small, like maybe like six. Yeah, because I was people. looking and I really did not see anyone promoting one around us. Yeah, no, even like Bethlehem or Allentown, I didn't see anything. Yeah, which is weird. It's like a little upsetting because I know we have protests. But yeah, so that's that's a fucked up. All right, moving on because we don't want to get depressed we'll over get, that all we'll over again. We'll get sad about it. They'll be like, "What a downer!" It is a downer. Fuck. I'm trying to think of something that made me cry that's not that, but there's not anything. I really hurt my toe. What'd you do? I'm probably just going to cut this out, but it's like bothering me. In my <laughs> do you ever like, okay, do you ever have like a piece of skin on like, are you like squeamish? Because I'm like, let me tell you about my toe. Nope. I, uh, like I said, oh, yeah, hosp- you work in hospital the- <laughs> healthcare employee here. I don't, it, I mean, I can get squeamish, but it's going to take a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, like, bad. It was just, I was at the pool on Sunday, and, like, my feet were just crackly. It's that time of year. <sighs> it hurts like a bitch. <laughs> oh. I um was wearing, like, flip-flops over the weekend, mm-hmm. you know, celebrating, like, 4th of July in the backyard. Yep. And I, I think it was dark, and I was get, going to get something, but, like, a stick. Like, I walked, like, into Ooh. the point of the stick. It was facing me. I just want to check. That sounds fucking terrible. Yeah, I mean, I was already slightly intoxicated, so that always helps well, you course. brush it off real quick. But for that one second, you're like, oh, that's how my toe was. Water. Yeah, it's like it's fine. I was drinking seltzers. <laughs> Everything's good. fine. It's, did you ever hear about? I have another gross thing that I want to talk about. Did you ever hear about the thing like when you go into like a Barnes and Nobles and you have to go poop? No, I've never heard of that. Oh. <laughs> that's a new one for me okay so are you on tiktok yes yeah okay so there's this i saw it well so cliff told me that when he was a little kid that you know the store ollie's yes that whenever he went into ollie's he had to poop every single time (laughs) and i'm like you're a fucking weirdo and his parents were like no every time we went into ollie's he had to go poop and i found it there's like a phenomenon about different stores that people have to poop in because of, like, you walk in and what, get orphans like, from that specific store? I don't even know. Or it's something in the air or something like that. There's a name for it. I don't know what it is. If I can think of it, I'll put it in the notes of this. But it's a whole phenomenon about pooping. And I realized that that's how I am at hospitals. Uh, it's, is it anxiety shit? It might be. The hospital, I think that makes that sense. That would make sense. But, like, not at a store. I don't know. Uh, but we'll I thought about that. that. We'll have to do some research on that. But I was like, oh my God, I'm a hospital pooper. 
So, I don't know. That was my, my short story of the day. <laughs> the hospital pooper. I'll fill the space. <laughs> yeah, nothing's really, like... My life's pretty quiet. This won't come out. Like, it's... I don't know. Like, do you ever... I always worry about, like, safety things. Not that there's that many people that listen to us. But, like... So, Cliff's on tour this week. And it's, like... It's quite an adjustment. I know... It's weird because he's been on tour many times. Yeah. But now we're, like, older. Yeah, you, like, are, like, comfortable in your apartment. We do our and, little routine and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, you have routine with your dog. Yeah. And all your comforts are here. It's weird. I can't imagine how how he must feel being out and about without, like, a regular bed. I feel like they take it better a lot than, mm-hmm. like, a lot better than we do. Oh, yeah. Because I know when I, I mean, like... My husband also, you know, would go camping and right. bring, like, nothing with him. But, like, maybe, like, a hatchet or something to have a fire and sleep on the ground. Like, be like that. Hell no. We go camping, but, I mean, he's like, I can't believe you because I fill the trunk. Because yeah. I bring, you know, I have my my number one first aid supplies. And of then course. I, I need my several changes of clothing. And then I need my bathroom utilities. And then yeah. I need my kitchen utilities. Everything. And then I need the food. <laughs> So it's like a whole entire, we fill the car, but at the same time, like. And then you need your five (laughs) drinks. Like, I always have to have like three drinks on me at one time. Coffee, water, something else. Something fun. Yep, usually. For trips. Fun trips anyway. And, yeah, I don't think he even brought, they they all left at like 4.30 in the morning. He's just like, bye. And Andy and I were passed out. It was so sad. Oh, it was so sad. I mean, I get sad when I, I mean, like me and my husband both work Monday through Friday now, but before I would have days off during the week and I would somehow always wake up to not him yelling up the stairs, love you, goodbye. I would wake up to the sound of the door closing. Yes. (laughs) And sometimes even like now, like if he, if I work a, a slightly later shift, He'll yell up the stairs and every, or if he doesn't yell up the stairs, he thinks I'm sleeping. Yeah. I'll hear the screen door open and I'll yell out, like, or I'll start to yell out, love you. And I'll hear the door close and be like, oh, hurt my feelings a little bit. I know he didn't do it on purpose, but but like, (laughs) he didn't hear me. And I, all I heard was the door shut. Yeah. No, Cliff is a, he's an emotional goodbye. He's like, goodbye. I love you so much. Have a great day. And then he gives Andy a kiss and then we all. We're very, we're a little community here. Can you see? Andy's in his depressed face. He goes Aww. through stages of. He's sitting with his head in his paws, which is the human equivalent of sitting with your head in your hands, I looking know. sadly out the window. He will eventually just sit out there and look out the window. Full of sorrow. Just con- contemplatively. It's, I don't think that's a word, but. I know what you're trying to say, though. Yes, it's. Contemplatively? Sure. That sounds, that sounds better. Yeah. That sounds much better than whatever I just said. All right. Okay. I'm good with words sometimes. I usually am okay, sort of. <laughs> I don't know. I did a lot of talking at work today, so I like feel... I. It I'm can gonna... go one of two ways. Either you talked so much that now your mouth is not going to work correctly, or you talked so much that now you're like eased into like it I'm warmed and up everything for it. will flow. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, so I was, like, stumbling on my words all day. So I'm sure I'll do a great job today. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. 
Well, I mean, do you want to tell us your topic? Um, yes. All right. So I was like not sure what, not famous name. It's not really a super famous case because there was another serial killer rampant at this time that kind of took more coverage. Okay. But this guy's name was Harrison Frank Marty Graham. He was known as some newspaper articles or tabloids called him the corpse collector and other ones went with like a more silly name which was the cookie monster killer i mean that's kind of cute it is but it just gets weird Mm. (laughs) it just gets weird so i uh i guess i shall beginning at the start of his life well let's begin all right, so I go back and forth between calling him Harrison and Graham for most of it. Okay. But he had those two other names, too, Frank and Marty. Um, so Harrison was born on September 9th, 1959 in Philadelphia. He was the eldest child in a family of five. Early on in childhood, he exhibited signs of an intellectual disability. Uh, he dropped out of high school after the 10th grade due to his failing grades and chronic absences. His mother would later claim that in 1971, Harrison was diagnosed with a mental disorder and had to spend two years in a children's mental facility, but this is not verified in any sources. Some other sources stated his mother, Lillian, was negligent and he ended up in foster care for some time. He ended up spending some time on the streets where he ended up being the employee of a male pimp. He was introduced to homosexuality and drugs on the streets. And how old was he again? I'm sorry. Um, so it says he dropped out in the 10th grade, and this is in 1971, supposedly, that he goes and has to spend two years in a children's mental facility. Oh, okay, okay. So in, like, some, it just says in the early 1970s. So I'm assuming if it's true he went to the health facility that it was after he was released. Um, he just ended up entering the workforce because he, again, dropped out of school. Yeah. He was not, you know, super Educated. intelligent and was just trying to live his life. So he entered the workforce and over the following years, he mastered many professions in the construction industry and he received a good reputation in town for that. In 1979, is when he left his parents' house and he moved to North Philadelphia. He found housing in a neighborhood that was heavy with poverty and crime. Uh, During this period, he began to drink alcohol, use drugs, and spend more time around pimps and prostitutes, like when he was on the streets. Yeah. A tall and athletic man, he wasn't considered violent towards others and was never prosecuted for any crimes. In 1983, he rented an apartment in a housing complex that had mostly vacant spaces. Several of the residents, including Graham himself, ended up fencing off a small section of their parking lot and used, like, makeshift thin walls and cut two small windows to basically make a makeshift room to sell drugs in through. Interesting. Um, A lot of the neighborhood around this building like at the time 
uh, there was a lot of vacancies. A lot of them were abandoned. It was probably really easy to do these deals in like this little yeah. secluded area. In the following four years, Graham turned his apartment into a full-on drug den. Okay. Uh, his friends and acquaintances would often visit to buy and use the drugs. He lived off of the funds from selling the drugs, and he had a disability pension. Mm-hmm. Since his IQ was low, he was, you know, technically was... mentally dis- ha- handicapped, so he had a pension of about $300 a month. Oh, wow. Um, nevertheless, Graham never engaged in any violent acts. He regularly paid his rent, played basketball with the local youth, he was described as a nice man by friends and neighbors alike. And he, um, like I said, he hung out with the kids. He played basketball with them. And he ended up making them laugh by doing impressions of Cookie Monster. He Aww. had a Cookie Monster doll he would sometimes carry with him. Yeah, and could kind of fun. do a good impression. So, yeah, yeah everything's good and dandy. <laughs> what a Everyone nice guy. loves him. Uh, however, during the summer of 1987... Graham's neighbors started complaining to the landlord, whose name was Nathaniel Choice, about a foul odor they could smell coming from his apartment, it appeared. It took several complaints, but the landlord had sent his son and his nephew to order Graham to... They basically served his eviction notice. Yeah. And he left without any protest because, again, oh, he's such a nice guy. Everyone loves him. So, wait, they just smelled something? They didn't, like, check it out? They're just like, okay, oh, it so bad. there's some conflicting reports with what okay. I found on, on this subject. Um, some of the sources say that he left without protest after being confronted. Mm, okay, and okay. then they made some discoveries after they went into the apartment. <sighs> Other sources say he was forced from the apartment, locked everyone out, and escaped through a fire escape. Wow. Which then they had to forcefully enter. So either way, he leaves, he takes a few belongings, and the two men, being the landlord's son and nephew, enter his apartment. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um... The men enter, and the apartment is filthy. Mm. Garbage is piled high. Um, It's a a two-bedroom apartment, and one of the doors is nailed shut. Oh, that's just never a good sign. No. And again, there's garbage (laughs) everywhere. It already smells, because that's the main complaint, is the neighbors can smell just atrocious garbage smell through his apartment door. Oh my god. And that's like a lot, especially like if you smell it through like your apartment. Like Yes. That's a we'll, bad We'll get into smell. how bad it is yeah. exactly. All right. So of course, out of curiosity, one of the gentlemen crouches down and peeks through the keyhole of the door of the bedroom. Oh my god. He jumps back because what he sees is a pair of legs oh on a dirty god. mattress. Um, all he can see is the legs. He doesn't know if they're attached to a body. They call out, you know, try and, you know, if this person's in a drug-induced stupor. Oh, my God. Or something, they try and call out. There's no signs of life. They call the police. They wait outside, and Officer Pete Scalatino is the first to arrive on the scene. He follows the two men up to the third-floor apartment. There was such a horrible stench of garbage Mm. and death, they reported. Um, he looks through the keyhole as the men told him to do, and he is also shocked at what they find. 
Um, this might be a personal question, but have you ever smelled a dead body before? Um, I've not smelled a body rotting. I so I do not know this smell. Yeah. Okay. I don't either. But <laughs> I have been around dead bodies though. Yeah, true. But not that I guess they, were they wouldn't long smell. To yeah. Stink. Yeah. <laughs> On a darker note. Yeah. Ugh. So um, by the time he makes this discovery, there is another investigator arriving from the medical examiner's office. His name is Charles Johnson. They force the door open together since it's, again, nailed shut. Mm -hmm. They force it open together. They both don a makeshift mask because, again, the smell is just horrendous. And their attention is immediately drawn to a naked corpse lying on a stained mattress on the floor. Um, It is bloated, discolored, and that indicated that she'd been dead for probably some time. And decomposition was already fairly advanced Again, it's Philly, hot summer, August day where this happens. Um, She was also not the only corpse in the room. Mm. Next next to the mattress lay another bloated cadaver. This one was clothed in a denim skirt lying on top of another pile of garbage because there's just garbage everywhere. How? Okay. Okay. So think like I... If I make, like, Brussels sprouts, okay, this is no comparison. It's just, uh, like, something to think about. When I make Brussels sprouts, if I walk in my apartment, because, like, our kitchen is right here, it stinks so bad that I'm, like, embarrassed that if anybody smells it from upstairs or, like, whatever. But you still smell that when you're in your own house. How, like... Full-on drug den. I don't want to fully imagine. No. Um, so, yes, uh, (laughs) that was bodies number one and two. Having now confirmed that this was a crime scene, potentially, the officers retreated and put up yellow crime scene tape and went downstairs to call backup. The reason they weren't sure if it would be a crime scene at first was because it could have, for example, been a drug overdose, Mm. being that it was a drug den, um... Or something accidental. But nonetheless, Scalatino called in homicide detective James Hansen, who was a veteran of the force, and he'd led, he he was the lead detective in the Heidnick case. Now, Gary Heidnick was another prolific serial killer who was tormenting, um, I think mostly women was mm-hmm. were his victims, and I believe he kept them locked in his basement. He was in Philadelphia. He was... I think a mere couple blocks from this incident. Oh, so wow. it was a, not a good time. People were dying left and right. Not a good area or at that missing. time. Like, Jesus, can you imagine just walking down that block? You're like, you got not a good chance. No, uh, it was not a good time. It was for serial killers, though. <laughs> oh, my God. For serial killers in the 70s, they were having a great time. They were partying. Yeah, they loved it. Um, so even without... The decomposing corpses there. The scene was very gruesome and incredibly filthy. Mm. Barely an inch of floor space was visible among the litter of tins, half-consumed meals, moldy moldy old newspapers. Apparently, at some point, they had dogs in the apartment and there was dog feces lying about, jars of yellow liquid, which we can imagine what that is. Yep. 
um, rotting blankets because they were so musty. You probably oh, got God. wet like molding on the floor. Stained mattresses. The f- any furniture that was there was broken. And swarms of flies um, clung sure. to the food. There was maggots all, all over the corpses. It was just terrible. You can imagine it all. Rats, roaches, mm. everything. Um, so, again, they found bodies one and two. Yeah. They continue searching through all of this garbage and atrociousness. Around 3.45 p.m., they turn up a third set of remains. Oh, no. These remains were nearly skeletal. They only had shreds of clothing left on them, and they were wrapped in two sheets and buried under, again, more rags and garbage. So, wait, how big is this apartment? It says it was a two-bedroom apartment on the third floor. Okay, okay. Now, this is in Philadelphia, so it could have been, like, you know, like, um, I don't know what to call it, like, you know, like a loft almost, like two uh, two rooms instead of two bedrooms. True, true, but true. But there was at least one full bedroom with a door because he, he had, it locked had the bodies in there nailed. and had nailed it shut. Oof. Yeah, rough. Um, less than two hours later... The searchers turned up a fourth set of remains. These were mummified inside more sheets strewn about. A fifth body was found around 5.30 p.m. Pulled out of another area of debris. But the peculiar peculiar detail about this one. We're both doing great with words. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) The peculiar detail about this one was that he or she had been sandwiched between two mattresses. Oh, my God. The searchers wondered if the tenant, you know, a.k.a. Harrison Graham, had actually slept on top of the mattresses. With the victim in between. Oh, my God. I saw it was such a strange quote, but one of the articles said, compared this victim to when you pick a flower and put it in between the pages of a book to preserve it. Uh, Yeah, gruesome. The other thing is, like, how much shit was in this apartment that it took them this long to find these remains? Like. Clearly, they were there for a while. They were mummified. They were... Well, yeah, and I feel like for them to mummify that quickly, the situation's got to be not so good. Yeah. Uh, So another two hours go by, and a sixth body is located. It was crammed inside of a tiny, only six-inch deep closet, sitting up wrapped in a sheet and tied with a white electrical cord. Oh, my God. The remains of a seventh body were found decomposed outside of the window on the roof. It was a leg and foot bones inside of a tattered duffel bag just left on the roof to rot. And that is the remains of body number seven. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, clearly, it took hours and hours to go through all of this mess of garbage and fecal matter from dogs and humans. And I'm guessing there's no air conditioning or anything. I don't think so, because this is in, like, the 70s, and it's a third-floor apartment in Philadelphia. Yeah, and even if there was air conditioning, it probably wasn't the best. I don't think he would have been able to afford the electric bill with air conditioning. No. So it was probably hot. Oh, my God. You could, like, pass out in that shit. Definitely. And everybody's wearing masks. 
So uh, while Graham was on the run, medical examiner Robert Catherman was hard at work trying to identify these victims and determine the cause of death. It was believed that the first two bodies had been dead for only two or three days, maybe, wow. with decomposition accelerated by the intense summer heat. Mm. Both victims were African-American women in their late 20s to early 30s. There were no obvious signs of violence on the corpses, no bullet wounds, or evidence of bludgeoning. The fourth victim they did find, had, they had a broken hyoid boin, bone, indicative of strangulation like a telltale sign of strangulation oh my god where's that like here like your collarbone yeah i think it's that area um all of the other bodies were in a state of severe decomposition so they needed full examination and autopsies um two of the other cadaver (laughs) cadavers (laughs) i like that i like that word better i think it's more fun (laughs) i wish i could say it again (laughs) so (laughs) autopsies on two of the other cadavers determined that they were also young african-american females although in these cases again the cause of death was impossible to determine at this time due to the advanced decomposition other clues for the identities came from members of the public a woman came forward to say that she believed one of the victims was a friend of hers, oh. 33-year-old Sandra Garvin. Within the next few days, more witnesses offered suggestions as to the identities of the victims, women who had once known Marty Graham and were now missing. A man recognized the clothing from the second victim and believed that she was actually his wife. No. Mm. A neighbor came forward and suggested the name of 29-year-old Robin DeChajor, Graham, one of Graham's only known girlfriends. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Graham had regularly beat Robin, and Robin had not been seen for some time now. The other victims were later identified as 27-year-old Cynthia Brooks, 25-year-old Valerie Jameson, and 36-year-old Mary Jeter Mathis, 22-year-old Barbara Mahoney, and 24-year-old Patricia Franklin. On August 15th, six days after the initial discovery, police searching a building three doors down from Graham's found remains <clears throat> hidden in the backyard. Now, these remains ended up being the remains of like dogs that he once had like again when i was saying how dirty it was there was like dog feces and stuff there and it's unknown i mean he didn't wasn't reported to be violent but obviously all this happened so maybe somehow you know the dogs ended up buried in this yard and it was undoubtedly due to him yes Now, they continue searching, and they also find a human torso and a skull wrapped in a brown blanket and tied with an electrical cord, very similar to the way the body had been found in Graham's closet. Whoa. Um, Forensics later confirm that they are from the victim whose leg bones had been found on top of the roof. Oh. Um, And this was mary mathis who was a mother of five. Oh my god unfortunate you gotta give it to those um investigators though because i feel like the fact that they could even identify anyone mm-hmm. with 
the amount of decomposition and and everything that seems pretty impressive like well evidently after one person came forward to identify someone mm -hmm. and they probably were i think they listed him as wanted so i think once that happened Mm. other people realized from the community oh so and so was his friend i knew that guy yeah so now we guess this must have happened to them yeah so a lot of it was the community helping identify these these victims um the search still continued for harrison when he left he only took a water bottle some items of clothing and his raggedy blue cookie monster doll he used to entertain the children Uh uh-huh see now the cookie monster thing seems fucked up I told you it was going to Before, get I'm up. like, wow, that's pretty nice that he's helping little oh, kids. Oh, yeah, he's such a nice Ooh, guy. What a good guy. What a gem. And then now, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't <laughs> like that shit. Yes. Well, apparently he still was pretty liked around the community until this word got out because he <laughs> was seen on public transport, fast food restaurants, homeless shelters, a car wash, People saw him and either didn't report him or by the time he was reported, he he had gone. But that was probably, again, because he, before this, was a liked member of the community. He was a handyman that would help his neighbors and and had a good rapport. Like, news didn't travel fast back then like it does now. Yeah. So, on August 17th, Harrison tracked down his mother and called her he was hungry he was tired and he was really hoping to meet up with her for a a meal some food and a little rest so after much persuasion she convinced him to surrender to the police good he agrees and she calls the police for him he's arrested on the same day with no resistance at a distance of 10 blocks from his apartment where all the remains were found Mm. graham offered a unique explanation to the police for why the bodies were found in his apartment. Oh, okay. This is the best. I'm he ready. claims they were there when he moved in. Oh my god, of course. Perfect. <laughs> Don't know how they got there, but this apartment's so cheap, I'm just gonna deal with it, Honestly, I, I just, I came in, they were here. It's not, It makes I don't it know. homey. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> Obviously, bullshit. Don't know where that came from. He's again not the most mentally capable not the brightest. so that's the excuse he gives and after some more interrogation he does eventually crack mm. he admits that he strangled all seven of the victims while under the influence of drugs mm. he offered the names of five women but said he didn't know the names of two of the victims those he had met on the street and lured back to his apartment with the promise of drugs. Okay. The police had already determined that one of those victims was Sandra and the final victim was Valerie. So all the other five victims he knew. Oh my God. Graham said he would get the women high on drugs and alcohol, then talk them into consensual sex. Mm. While engaged, he would strangle them. Afterwards, he'd fall asleep with them next to him. Oh, while they were dead? While they were dead. Okay. And he said he was always surprised when he woke up to find a dead woman next to him in his bed. I. What a surprise. What a surprise. (laughs) Um, So he continues to say all of his victims were killed that year, starting in January. 
the first had been his girlfriend, Robin DeChajor. Mm-hmm. Her body he dumped on the roof. Uh, later, he carried the head and torso to another building. And for whatever reason, like I said, he left the, the leg in the bag well, on like, the roof. Even, why even bother at that point if you're going to leave the leg in there? No, like, it makes no sense. <laughs> So, a forensic exam partially confirmed his testimony, saying that the two recent victims that he said he didn't know, they had been strangled maybe 10 days prior to discovery, while the Mm. other five victims had been dead between 6 and 12 months ago. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. And the whole time he was living there. Don't know where else he was living. Uh, they were in that little that little room they built in the parking lot to sell drugs. It's like um, you remember, you remember those Febreze commercials and they're oh like, my dear Lord. you're going nose blind and you open up your eyes and you're like, oh my god, there's like seven corpses in here. Like what oh the fuck? God, no. <laughs> I don't that know why that's what I thought commercial. of. I'm like oh, I didn't even smell it. It really works. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, and again, it's he's it says that he is selling and and purchasing. He's having friends over to sell and purchase mm. drugs. It's a drug den. There's people there. You don't tell me that under the garbage smell they didn't smell also smell different. decomposition. Like or you didn't maybe see a a, a bird on the roof picking out this dead corpse that was something. up there. Something to give you a little heads up and no one said anything. I mean, if you think about it, though, if they were buying drugs... I mean, I guess they're all drugged all the time. They would maybe not want to be the person to be like, hey, listen, I think there's a dead body at this place where I'm buying illegal drugs from. Like, but I mean, I don't know. Eventually, you should probably... Probably too many people went through there that did not say anything. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, rough. Uh, Where was I? Um. So, while in jail... Graham was assessed by a psychiatrist who said his IQ was only 63. Oh, wow. Usually indicating mental incompetence. On top of that, Graham's drug use meant that he was incapable, according to the Philadelphia law at the time. The psychiatrist said that Graham had psychosis, paranoia, auditory hallucinations, and blackouts that were caused by his drug abuse. Mm. A psychologist found that Graham was incompetent at basic academics, including being able to tell the time. Okay. Um, He also started presenting different personalities to the psychiatrist. Um, Mm. Yeah, it gets even more interesting. (laughs) So, according to his defender, um, Moldovsky... I believe is how you pronounce it. Due to Graham's intellectual disability, psychophysical development, and his multiple personality disorder, Graham was incapable of distinguishing right from wrong. And this, coupled with the heavy drug use, made him act on impulse without any self-control. Harrison, quote-unquote Frank, quote-unquote Marty as people knew him, Graham, was presented as having three distinct personalities. One of his personalities was Marty, Mm -hmm. the easygoing handyman, popular with the neighbors. He was religious, and he was heterosexual. There was Junior, another personality that was like a child, and he would be seen carrying around the Cookie Monster stuffed toy. Okay. His third personality, Frank, hated women. 
Frank was the personality that was killing the women and engaging in necrophilia with them. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marty and Frank, those personalities were basically opposites. Yeah. It said... So. Some of the reports said that um, Marty's mother had a spiritual revolution, basically, or spiritual awakening during his childhood when he was in foster care. Mm-hmm. And when she had that awakening, she brought him back home and she preached to him about how immoral his lifestyle was while he was out on the streets of oh, foster that care. that she put him in. Exactly. Yes. So probably this instance was where his personality split. Yeah. Going from a, you know, homosexual addict with a passion for the street living mm-hmm. while he was out there as a kid, you know, like he was under a pimp, he was using drugs, and that's the only place he said he actually felt loved. Yeah. And then there was the other personality, him wanting to make his mom happy and being the rehabilitated Christian son mm. that she really wanted him to be. So, Harrison Graham's trial began on March 7th, 1988. The prosecutor's office demanded the death penalty. Wow. While his defender, Joel Moldovsky, decided on a different strategy. He decided to plead Graham not guilty by reason of insanity. I mean, that is fair, I think. Yeah. I mean, he seems pretty crazy. Yeah. He's appearing to be. To this extent, he advised Graham waive his right to a jury trial because they thought the, you know, graphic details of the corpses decomposing in his apartment would very much give him a guilty verdict. Oh, yeah, it would definitely sway them for sure. And they chose to have the outcome of the case be decided by a single judge. Huh. Now, while the proceedings were going on, Harrison appeared to be completely calm. On April 28, 1988, the judge found Harrison Graham guilty on all charges. So, waiving the jury did not work out. Not in his at favor. all. It was worth a shot, I'm sure. Worth a shot, but no game. Nope. So, he received six death sentences and mm. one life imprisonment term oh, wow. for the murders. After the trial, Graham asked. For his Cookie Monster doll back. Oh, no. Saying that he slept with that. Now, from what I could tell, it was seized from him after his arrest and it remained in evidence the whole time. So he did not get his doll back. Graham had been attached to it for years and it was one of the only items he took with him when he escaped the apartment. Yeah. Before the police found all the remains. Oh. Um, As a leniency, the court ruled that Graham's death... His death sentence would only be carried out after he served out his life sentence. So he would never actually be executed. Oh, okay. That's, I didn't know that that was like a, yeah, a thing that the, people did. The, it was interesting to try and exactly read what this was saying yeah. because a couple of the articles said that they reinstated the death sentence and that they had to go back and forth basically with appeals because of. His IQ deeming him mentally incompetent, it, you are not, they they frown upon doing that in jail, like giving you a death yeah. sentence for mental incompetencies, like. Yeah, it might not be the most 
ethical yeah thing. so they appealed it a bunch of times but eventually it was ruled that it was unethical so he uh kept his life sentence he remained he was remanded to the harrisburg penitentiary in pittsburgh pennsylvania uh-huh. Uh-huh. he studied religion and became an ordained minister while in there oh today marty graham resides in a medium security facility and I looked it up. It's near Shimokin, Pennsylvania. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Where he reportedly continues to practice as a minister of religion. What? And that is the case of the corpse collector slash the cookie monster killer slash uh, Marty Frank Harrison Frank? Graham. <laughs> He's got many different names. Okay, I gotta ask you, because this is one I've, I'm feeling a little, a little torn on it. What do you think about it? Like, what's your thoughts? You think he did it? I mean, he obviously did it, but do you think he should have been tried the way he I mean, was? given his, well, his traumatic childhood and being in, in Philly on the streets, he lived yeah. in a slum slumlord apartment and all that stuff. I mean, he lived his lifestyle like everyone said he was nice no yeah. one would have thought of him he would do these deeds but oh, yeah. it still happened so i i'm torn too i don't know if he really did something happened he had a split and that personality took over when he was with these women yeah but then your quote-unquote marty the good guy like wouldn't turn himself in or like they still lived in this, like... They still were living in that all the time. Yes, this atrocious, like, drug That's den. true. I didn't think of it like that, that you still, no matter what personality you are, you're still living in that place. You have yeah. to think maybe something's going on. So I think, like, he probably was mentally ill, but, like, so, you know, there's some people that it's like, oh, you know, there's something off. Yep. But you're just really nice to them, and they're really nice to you. And they're nice, you. and that's okay. And everything's fine, and until maybe it's maybe not. Maybe something's really not fine, and their house smells like corpses. Yeah. I feel, if he really does have, so that's, what, dissoci- that's dissociative identity disorder now. If he really has that, I truly do feel bad for the guy. Mm-hmm. But from what I understand, my limited college education, it's not that common to have that no and as like i said this case is one of those it is known but it's not really famous so there's not a whole lot of really like verifiable information on it so i didn't find much for other than him becoming a minister in jail if his other personalities you know came out in jail that's yeah that's like as far as i could see he was still continued to be like a a model inmate you know just like all the neighborhood liked him yeah say maybe he like that might maybe jail he probably thrives in jail if you think about it it's probably a nice place for him. Yeah. He um, was like, I think he was just another one of those super sickos that lived yeah. a, a pretty normal life other than being in a drug den filled with garbage. That's yes. not normal. Not normal. But uh, lived a normal life and was friends with everyone until like they were with a woman and had some like sick, like yeah. out there urge and snapped. Like, I don't know. There's too many serial killers that are like that. And it just, it's one of those things where it makes you think, like, you don't even know. No. Nope. You could just be talking to somebody else. I mean, okay, to be fair, if somebody I saw 
was doing a Cookie Monster impersonation on the streets to little kids. I would think it was weird. Same. Unless they are getting paid to do so or at like a perform or like a children's theater or something like that or working on fucking Sesame Street. But doing it for fun outside. I am so judgmental. I am immediately like that. That person's weird. Something's wrong. Something's weird there. Something's up. Like, I'll be nice to little kids, but I certainly will not put on a whole fucking puppet a show for them. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll say, hi. What's up? I mean, even like, like today, um, it was like really busy and yeah. we had some like pediatric patients that were little. Aww. Like we had like this like little two-year-old girl. And, you know, you cannot keep them in a room. No. Their parents are walking them around. That's fine. A-OK. They have, like, the little red rider wagon that we give to the parents. They can bring them around the adorable. unit. It's adorable. But there was this one other patient, like an older, older gentleman. Yeah. And um, he was fine. But, yeah, he just, you know, some people just seem a little weird. Yep. And um, <laughs> every time she went around, he would be like, hey, hey. Hi, what's your name? Mm. And some people really like kids and everyone thinks that's normal. And I'm just like... Something's weird. Man. Also, I'm like, you're in the hospital. Yeah. (laughs) The kid's Um, probably already terrified. Just leave her alone. Just don't talk to her. Like, (laughs) she's... Yeah, exactly. She's in the hospital. Yes. Leave the poor girl alone. Yes. It was... We were all like, oh, she's so cute. And then he would walk by and say hi. And we'd be like, "Mm, he's kind of weird. Go away. You're not cute. You're not cute. And the thing is, you can't get rid of patience. Just like you. I mean, we all have those interactions at work. It's like, wow, can I please hang up on you? And you can't. No. And you're just like staring at them. And in my head, I'm like, please let this be over soon. Please let this be over soon. And it just lasts like longer. You know what I mean? Like, especially with people, the meaner people are, the longer the interaction is for some reason. Oh my God, yes. Why? I will be inching backwards. I will take a step at a time walking backwards out of a room and they're still gabbing. Yep. And I'm like, I got work to do. Like, listen, stop. You're scaring me and you're mean. So please don't do that. <laughs> Dude, I've never heard of that before. I feel like when I was trying, I was trying to find a case that was either in Pennsylvania yeah. or near near us somewhere and one that wasn't overdone. Mm-hmm. And also one that had an ending because I was looking up like m- mysteries and like yeah. it's unsettling when there's no ending. So mine doesn't have an ending that I picked today. Oh, boy. I'm going to stay awake wondering about the ending then tonight. I think it has an ending, though, honestly. I think so. I always think I solved it in my head, but I didn't. You take it as you will. I'm like, you know what? I bet that's what happened. But that's just what helps me sleep at night. <laughs> Hold on, let me pull up my... Oops. Andy's like, what in the... Aww. What in the world? Andy. Wouldn't Andy be a good a good hospital dog? Oh my god, yeah. We, um, before the pandemic, we tried to get him, well, he has to take one, a test, and he failed it, because he wasn't so good on the leash when he was a puppy. But now I think he'd be okay. I forget what it is. It's like some kind of test that he has to take, um, before he can even go to therapy school. Oh, really? It's before therapy school? It's like the training one. And he was still very young when we decided to start. So, and then the pandemic happened. So we kind of like gave up. But mm. I think he'd be very good at it. 
Oh, definitely. He's very calm. I feel like I remember when I worked at the hospital in in Bethlehem, there was a therapy dog that came in and was a big St. Bernard. I yeah. will swear. Many St. Bernards are do do that. And it's funny when he was like, not to totally go off track, but when he was a baby, we went to um, a nursing home to see Cliff's grandma. And all the little ladies were like sitting out in front of of the thing of the elevators just like hanging out and andy came in and they were like oh my gosh you're cute because he was like straight up that big yeah and they're like a little puppy and but he was big enough that he went over to no lie each lady and they were in their wheelchairs and he put his head up on on their lap like that oh and he looked at them and he sat there until they pet him and then he would go and put it on the next lady and we're like he gave them each a turn. And the nurses are like, oh my God, has he done this before? And we're like, no, we've never, never even brought him here before. Like, we don't know what. He- so we're just like, he must be good at that. He just is good at taking cues. Yeah. This is what I'm supposed to do. He's just like, well, I think maybe you could give me attention. Um, So I did the disappearance of William Hurley. Have you ever heard of him? That sounds kind of familiar. It's like one that I've definitely heard before. And I was, I usually just, when I'm like, because we've done a lot of topics, so a lot of times I'll just go through, like, either I'll Google, like, Unsolved Mysteries, which is super cliche, but, like, those are my favorite ones, so Mm -hmm. I usually look them up. I was looking up haunted objects today, but I'm like, you know what, fuck that. I am home alone. I'm not doing it. (laughs) I don't want to creep myself out. I'm not doing it to myself. I'm not. Not that this isn't creepy, because it is, but... Okay, so this one is unsolved and pretty short, but I thought it would be kind of a fun one. Pretty short, not a ton of information, so, you know. Uh, but William Hurley, he, he was a 24-year-old Navy veteran, and he was originally from North Carolina and had recently moved to Quincy, Massachusetts, Massachusetts, which is, like, right outside of Boston. Um, and he had a girlfriend her name was claire lebeau and they or i'm sorry a fiance claire lebeau and i believe they lived together at the time not 100 percent sure too scandalous before they're married i know what bad bad little couple um and on october 8th 2009 william was invited by co-workers maybe friends to attend a Boston's Boston Bruins game, which I had to put in parentheses is hockey because I had no fucking clue. <laughs> and he never went to a hockey game because like he was from North Carolina, so he wasn't a hockey guy. So he called up Claire and he was like, hey, I got invited to go to a hockey game. Is that cool with you if I go? And she's like, yeah, of course. Like, that's fine. No big deal. So it was just very like she's like, go have go have fun, whatever. Now, so he got up pretty early for work in the morning. Uh, I believe he got up around like 4.30 for work. So I just found not a lot of people said that, but I thought it was like important to the to the plot. I feel like that's like a normal like day shift, wake up early, early for work kind of time. It should be though. Like I used to work at the, I used to work at a gym before I went to work at my job now and my shift started at 4.45. So like... I'm used to starting at like six usually. Yeah. 
So he he got up pretty early in the morning. Um, and he went to the game, and it was at the TD Garden in Boston. And he was having a great time. Like, he was super excited. He had, it was his first hockey game, so he was having fun. Um, he did mention later, I believe it was in a text to Claire, that there was a guy, like, sitting around them, and he just didn't like him. Like, he wasn't part of their group. He was just sitting too close to them. And he just didn't like this guy. He's like, this guy's being a fucking asshole. Like, I don't know. Weird. Like, for no reason. What year is this? 2009. Oh, okay. So, he was just, he's, like, it was too, it was too close for comfort is kind of the vibe that I got from this, the information that's out there. Which is not a lot. So, bear, bear with me. <laughs> Um, but yeah. And then William just started to feel weird and he told his friend, he was like, so Will was like, obviously like a pretty happy, nice, normal guy. And he like turned to his friend after the first quarter. Is that what hockey? I think that's sports terms. The first quarter. I put, I'm like, oh yeah, it's a quarter. Sure. The first quarter, he turned over to, like, his friend he was with. And he's like, I don't feel good. I want to go home. And the guy's like, okay, that's fine. He's like, I'm going to call Claire. And she's going to come get me. Because they, I looked it up. So, I guess from Quincy to the TD Garden, it's like 26 minutes. But it was heavy traffic when I looked it up. So, I'm thinking it was pretty close mm-hmm. for Boston. Um, or wait, no, I have the first period of the game. That seems much less correct. I think quarter sounds better. Quarter sounds quarter better. Sounds better. Uh, yeah, so he's, but he said he was feeling weird and very tired. And that's why I was like, mm, I think it's important, though. Like, when you get up that early in the morning, later, you feel tired at the end of the day. I think that's not super weird. I need a nap like every other day after work. Um, I need a nap all the time. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's more accurate. I just, but yeah, especially if you get up really early by like two. Especially if you have, like I believe, you have a mind like mine that yeah. is very overactive. All the time. And even if you're not really doing anything and you're thinking you're mentally exhausted. Holy shit, it's exhausting. Which is a whole nother kind of exhaustion, so yeah. Oh, I wake up in the morning and my mind is like, like It's bad before i go to bed and as soon as i wake up yeah oh my god like tonight i'll get under the covers and just be like i need to what should i watch on tiktok what can i do to and then i'll think about all the things that i do to have to do tomorrow and you're already exhausted thinking about what you have to do tomorrow oh you and i are the same i know i know because we have the same kind of train of thought i feel as I'm like already distracted, I'm like, and then he said this, and <laughs> that's okay. I said scandalous because I don't know why I thought it was a much earlier time than 2009. You're like, ooh, scandalous 2009. <laughs> I'm like, that is not scandalous. I, ooh, it's a bad. Do that. We were like fully, co- almost competent adults. <laughs> nearly uh, and sort of. Oh well, when you said 1988, I was like, wow, that's not that long ago, and I'm like. Mm, kind of it was before i was alive <laughs> was before we were born so um 
Okay, so yeah, so Will left the game and he called Claire. And Claire was actually like out and about. So she said, yeah, I'll be there in like two minutes. I'm just around the block. And so she goes, but I don't know where you're at. And I need you to give me the address. So I'm trying to remember 2009. And I definitely feel like it wasn't as you needed you needed like a gps back then yeah um i am also thinking around the the same because i graduated 2011 and i know even by like 2011 when i was out driving more after i had my license like i don't even really remember using the internet that much on my phone maybe check facebook but definitely not gps no type of and if it was, it was like a full on like separate thing that you like. It was stuck. like a Garmin yes. that you had to hook up to, and your that would only be on your yes. on your car. Yes, if your mom, if my mom was like, you can use it because you're going on a long trip, kind of thing. So yes. I'm sure if she it was, was a just privilege. out, yeah. So if she was out and about, probably shouldn't have it. So she's like, oh, I need your address, and Will weirdly is like, I don't know where I am, and she's like, that's super weird because you're at the. I thought you were at the stadium and excuse me I saw two different ways that this next part happened one one part the most common part is that Will said I don't know where I am and somebody walking past said 99 Nashua Street and then I heard another part this was only like in one or two articles I read that he asked someone, where am I? And they said 99 Nashua Street. It probably doesn't really matter. Um, but so she was like, great, perfect. I'll be there soon. And she was not, she was like only a couple, like I said, a couple blocks away. And so he said, Will told Claire, he said, okay, I'm going to stay here, but my phone's on 1%. So like, you're not going to, I'll be, he's like, but I'm not going anywhere. So she's like, okay. Um, and she drove to 99 Nashua Street. But of course, Will was not there. So she's like, fuck. Uh-oh. So she drives around like a bunch of times and he's nowhere to be seen. And of course, his battery's dead. So like, how's she going to find him? So she kind of, I guess, assumed that he went back inside I didn't have his phone, so and she, she did not tell have her. like the friend slash companion's number to call him either. Apparently not. It's a it's weird. I, personally, I'm the fucking kind of crazy bitch. I would go in there because I always think people are dead all the time. So I would look for for them. Well, yeah, I th- also think that now. And like we said, like back then, phones like mm-hmm. not. Yeah, we're using them, but not as much as, not nearly as much as we do now. Like now, if someone doesn't answer, I'm like, oh my God. They're dead. Oh my God. I'm, uh, what's happening? Like, oh my God, why, but they have to have their phone. Why aren't they answering? Why wouldn't you answer your phone? I would be like, okay, I have literally no choice now, but to physically find them. Right. But, so she went back home. Which in a way I get. I get like maybe... It was easier back then because you're you were just again couldn't it was like new was to call different. someone up and be able to find them right away. Yeah. Whereas like before, you know, it's like oh, get home by by dark, right? And you're comfortable with that. And oh. 
how the times have changed. They really have. And, like, it's weird that how different it is, how different this story would have been, I think, today than it was in 2009. Um, So she went home, hoping that he would eventually get home as well. And he didn't, of course. So she called the police. And police went out and they started searching for him. I believe it was that night. And they made a really creepy discovery. Um, Lost here. So authorities search the area and they find Will's cell phone. But, and it was one of those, do you remember those phones that were like, they were like this and you push the thing up and the keyboard was there? Like it had the full keyboard. Yeah. And it was like this and then it didn't flip. It just like pushed up. It was like one of those. So they found that. But it was, like, smashed, but not in, so, I guess, oxygen. Like, they did a documentary about this. And the phone was, like, a huge thing from what I was researching. So, the phone was smashed, but not in the way that it would look if it got run over. Okay. Because, so, phones back then were a little more industrial industrial than Yeah, and I remember as someone who numerous times drop their phone in water whether yes. it be the toilet the washing machine once or the pool yeah. um <laughs> there was i remember there being like when you would take the battery out or maybe it was the battery itself there was some type of like white tab and if it got wet it would turn a color yep so i'm guessing like something like that they'd be able to tell like the amount right. of damage and the way that they the the one of the investigators in the case was like Usually if somebody's trying to destroy a phone on purpose, um, they do, there's something with the springs and the way that the springs are, I don't know, that part I was a little confused about, but they said it very clearly was not run over by a car. It was like, I'm assuming they would think that it was like smashed with like a hammer or something like that. Like it was destroyed. Yeah. Um, so they found that and then six days after will went missing on october 14th his body was found upstream in the charles river uh, about 25 feet from where he had asked claire to pick him up from 25 feet right that's so close 25 and he's like i'm sorry is somebody sad did somebody say oh he said oh i will come ah! you you good boy. Um, but so he had suffered some, he had suffered blunt force trauma to the head and eye socket and behind his left leg. Okay. Yeah. So he had suffered blunt force trauma to the head and eye socket and behind his left leg. But authorities determined initially that his body had only been in the water for a few days, which was kind of weird. I'm thinking like two to three days is what I had heard before the medical examiner ultimately ruled hurley's death as an undetermined drowning which is very strange because why the fuck would he be in the water no why would you even be close to the water like where are you going i've i've been drunk before but yeah i mean i don't know this environment yeah but how do you end up from the street like sort of cliff nearby right off like how did he get down into the water from that point and 25 feet i mean it's not far but it's far enough that you could change your mind about stuff like it's just not i don't think you'd casually fall in the water um so yeah he'd only been in there for a few days but had been missing for six days 
and which was also suspicious. So they did an autopsy, of course, and they found GHB in his system, uh, which is like a common date rape drug. And not one that you really, that people traditionally take recreationally. I guess it can, like, make you feel a little euphoric, but it's not something that people it's commonly take. It's something you, take. like, probably black out on more right. than enjoy. Yeah. So they found that in his system, and it, it was still in his system at that time. So it had, there was most likely probably a lot of it that he had taken. So yeah, so they found GHB in his system along with alcohol. But, I mean, he was at a game, it's so, a like, given. it makes sense. Yeah. But if you think of it, if they were looking for GHB in the toxicology report, it could be assumed that they might have assumed that foul play was involved initially. Like, why else would they be looking for that? So, the investigation itself, it's never been solved. Who did it? But there's a pretty big, pretty well-known and assumed theory of who did it. And it was initially theorized that William was a victim of the smiley face killer. Oh, Have you heard of yes, them? Yes, I've heard of them. So I, we haven't done a podcast about them, but I'm pretty sure that we talked about them in a different case like this one. The, without getting into too much detail about the smiley face killer killers, um, Former New York Police Department detectives Kevin Gannon, Michael Donovan, Anthony Dwart, and um, Dr. Lee Gilbertson believe that Will Hurley could be a victim of the Smiley Face Killers, which is an alleged interstate network of unknown serial killers that murders college-aged men, dumps their bodies in local waterways, and leaves behind the Smiley Face symbol near the death sites. There was no smiley face symbol there, but who knows? It could have been before they even, like, started being the smiley face killers. Mm-hmm. After years of investigation, the theory pretty much was, like, crystallized that there was an organization of pe- of murders targeting privileged men, mostly white, young, athletic men, kidnapping them, murdering them, and then staging their death as an accidental drowning. Well, then leaving the signature smiley face as graffiti on the wall near them. Um, as recently as 2019, Gannon, one of the detectives on the case, claimed the group is not only operating but branching out. He said, I consider this the most dangerous domestic terrorist group in the United States today. Intense. Intense. And the case of Will Hurley has not been solved. I mean, he, he's been found, of course, and killed. But, well, he was dead, but yeah, we don't nobody know knows who did it. An accident or... And his mom actually is on the smiley face killer. Like, she she believes that it is oh. him, the smiley face killer. She didn't at first, but in one of the interviews I was reading, she's like, it makes a lot of sense the way that he died. Also, he the profile. you want an answer, too, of as course. a parent. Like, I mean, if it seems... You know, if it's like it if the shoe be, fits, if the shoe fits, yeah, and it comforts you, wear it. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine that that is comforting. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Everyone's different, I guess. Either, True. I, 
Because, yeah, even if you say it's, it is a, a smiley face, like, killing, then you don't know who did it. Yeah. It's just a, a guess. Do you think that the smiley face killers are real? Um, I don't know. Some of it seems a little far-fetched. I think I, I think have so looked too. into it, bef- like, a while ago and, and looked at the, like, quote-unquote smiles that are left. And yeah. some of them are like, eh. You know, it's like when you stare at a piece of wood long yes, enough, yes, and that looks and then like a face. Find a face, or when you look at up at the clouds, and then you see a doll. I agree. I so. think. I think it's a lot of crimes that are similar. Andy, calm down, buddy. He's it's just okay. so happy. He's like, I'm just gonna breathe. I think it's a lot of cases that are very similar, and people are trying to find a connection. I mean, if, if I don't, I don't think they're the worst domestic terrorist group in the united states i don't think so especially um, not right now yeah no i don't don't <laughs> think that um but i'm sure that maybe some people are interested in it or want to think that that's real it makes it more interesting yeah but i i think so okay do you watch um bailey, bailey Sarian? Sarian, yes yeah. So she covered this case, not like individually, because there's not a ton of info about it, but she covered it in another episode of like Unsolved Mysteries. And I was listening to it and she actually came up with a pretty good like series of events of what might have happened to Will. So she she thought that so he's at this game, right, like with his friends and this weird guy is like following them. So she says... She's think and he's very close to them. So she's like, he puts the date rate drug in this guy's drink. And then that's when Will starts feeling weird. And he goes, I'm going to go home because I don't feel very good. He calls Claire and then he realizes he doesn't know where he is because he's drugged. Um, the guy that says, oh, you're at 99 Nashua Street. Tells her that to throw her off. He's not actually there. K- takes him away, kills him, puts the body in the river a couple days later. Near where the site... Like, near where he was last seen. Yeah. Or where he was well, supposed to be last seen. I guess, yeah, there's no one to really confirm no. right, that he was there. Mm-mm. Except for that person that said that he was there. Hmm. I mean, it makes sense if you're going to go with that theory, but... I mean, yeah, like, if you're going to say this one person, yeah, did the drugging or was in, works with someone else that also followed him after he was drugged and, yeah. and took him somewhere to... Yeah, I think the smiley face killer thing, as much as I would like to, not like to believe it, but as much as I think it's interesting, it's kind of unfortunate if it's not that, because this case is, like, almost completely associated with the smiley face killer. Yeah, now, now that's all they that's know all they know. It. It's it's They went with that one popular connection, and... That's it. And it, that sucks, too, because, yeah, what if they could have found, found it the It could have been somebody else. It? Yeah. And now they're like, nope, it was the smiley face killers, and we'll never find them, because I want to know what the girlfriend thinks. Like, did they have... Did she, I don't know. Did she have, like, an ex-boyfriend or something? Did they get in, like... Right. You know, was there some sort of altercation? I don't know. Or, like, the friends that he was with. I just don't... I don't know that I would do... I don't know. You wouldn't... 
ask There's more too many stories where we or, say, don't leave your friends alone. Yeah. Or even if you did, even if you were like, okay, sure, like you're a grown man. If you want to call your fiance, that's fine. Maybe I would follow up. Like, usually if I talk to anybody, I'm like, okay, let me know when you get home. Like, just because. I don't know. Yeah. You never I know. I mean, usually if you're in the friend group, it's not like your girlfriend is alienated. Like I said, yeah. if his phone was 1% and I was the girlfriend and I couldn't find him, then I would have called the friend and been like, hey, did he come back inside? Yeah, or, I'm here. Where is he? Or, like, is the game almost over that you can come out and help me look for him because he's, he's not here. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's... Jesus, <laughs> scared me for Almost some reason. Take out the microphone. Woo. There's a lot of open-ended questions in this story, and it's, I think it's a little too underreported. But I do think it's interesting. And can you imagine the fucking panic that you'd feel like if you were that fiance? Oh my god, yeah. The next morning when I wake up and, and, they're, not there. and they're still not there, and their friends doesn't don't know. Ugh. It's always, especially too, whenever you like, there's that. What is that theory like when everyone sees something and oh. you all think that, oh, someone will report it because everyone saw it and then nobody saw it? Yes. yes. I would struggle with that, too, because it's like, oh, he didn't come home. Like, oh, no. Like, did anybody talk to him? Like, when is the right time to call the police or this and that? Right. Like, ugh. And now I think, like, too, when you research this stuff or talk about this stuff, like, all the time, then after, like two hours i'm like well i'm calling the police um that's just it that's how that's what's gonna happen red flag red flag i won't i must know what's going on like i i feel like sometimes even when um if i'm going somewhere like even when you go i go to the mall like because i don't know the mall in my mind i'm like the mall had a shooting not exactly years ago so you're not being far-fetched no so i text um i text like usually i'll send anna a text i'm like okay we're gonna come up with a secret code so ask me a question when i come back and if i don't get it right it's a kidnapper and she's like okay sure and it you know what it makes me feel better so if you ever need someone to ask a code word i got you all right code word buddy code word buddies (laughs) um oh this is a good a good length of an episode this is a perfect length of an episode. I'm glad that um I was just gonna be like, I'm glad that you're here. We're we're both talkies. We so are talky. We yeah. fill the spaces. Yeah. And uh, Andy's just licky. He's like, that's my friend there. Now he's out of sight. He's like, You shooed me. You shoot no, he's laying on the kitchen floor at his favorite <laughs> spot because it's cool. Mm. Well, I think I guess we should just wrap it up. I guess so. We killed it on this one. Woo. Um, well, this is a message for Anna. Uh, have a good return. Have a good return. She's probably like, oh, Jesus Christ. She's probably dreading it. No, she's, I saw her. She's like looking forward to it. Nice. But I know she's going to have a little baby in her arms during it, which I think is adorable. (laughs) I hope that we can raise him on scary stuff. Oh my gosh. Creepy things. (laughs) He'll be one of those kids that like, you know, the parents that dress their kids up as Michael or like little Chucky. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, he's like, well, yeah, I already learned about it. That's the voice I imagine that he'll have one day (laughs) in my head. Katie, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Of course. And you guys know where to follow us. Uh, You can email us at 
but what do we know pod at gmail.com or find us on social media instagram twitter facebook bwdwk podcast or some variation of that but thank you so much you're welcome thanks for having me of course and everybody will see you next week yay bye everyone bye We know.